Have you had the chance to check out C.L. Whiteside's The Non-Microwave Truth? I know I've told you about it before, but if you haven't checked it out yet, now is the time. He's got this genuine faith that encourages me every time I listen to him to check out The Non-Microwave Truth anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Today's episode is called, Our Identity is Forgiven. Thanks for joining me. I am just losing my mind a little bit right now. Because earlier this week, I went on Instagram and I saw these two women. First of all, I want to point out that these were Christian leaders, okay? These are not newborn baby Christians. They are women who have been in ministry and they were talking and they were doing a little thing, a little podcast together. And not only are they Christian women who have been in ministry, but they're beautiful. I mean, they had nice clothes on, their hair was nicely styled And they were talking about their feelings of not feeling adequate. And they were saying things like, you know, God can see my heart. He sees what's in it. And I was thinking a couple of different things. First of all, I have this dear friend of mine, Rhoda Woolley, who has taught me that everything you complain about, someone else has been praying for. So for instance, when you get out of bed in the morning, you know, you do that without even thinking. You get up and you start walking And maybe you grumble a little bit like, oh, I'm sore from whatever I did yesterday. But somewhere in the world, many places in the world, people are praying just to be able to walk again or to get out of bed. Or some people, I know because I work in a nursing home, know for a fact they will never walk again. And so they might see me walking down the hall and think, man, I wish I could walk again, right? So when I saw these two women who were beautiful and well-styled and they had clearly nice clothes on, you know, I was thinking, first of all, do you have any idea how many people would love to look like you? And second of all, do you have any idea how many people would love to have the opportunities that you have as a Christian leader with a microphone? Okay. There are so many women waiting in the wings going, God, I want my chance to teach. I want my chance to be your chosen instrument, to talk to other women, to pour into them, to whatever. And thirdly, they were saying how inadequate they felt. And I was like, really? That's your message? I mean, Instagram only lets you have a little bit of a video before you, you know, have to go on to the whole thing. And so hopefully by the end of their message, they came full circle. I don't know. But I was at a conference a couple weeks ago and the speaker who was doing one of the main sessions said too. this man said, you know, I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and the shame of the day before comes and gets a hold of me and I see sinner. And I'm like man, what are you saying? Jesus died. So we don't have to mope around half a day. We don't have to get up in the morning look in the mirror and go, man, sinner. No. Have you heard of Mel Robbins? She is 
you know, she's this amazing woman who encourages us to change our behavior. And, you know, I don't think she's a Christian. I don't know if she is or isn't. I can't say one way or the other. The point being that Christianity is not the basis of what she does. She's motivational. She tries to help people get out of their funk and get on with their life. One of the things she talks about, one of her big things is, you know, years and years and years ago, she could barely get out of bed. She was, you know, dealing with sobriety and life choices and whatever else there was. And she would get up and look at herself in the mirror and she would see everything wrong. And again, Mel Robbins is a beautiful person. I mean, absolutely beautiful. She's thin. She has aged very well. She's, she's gorgeous, actually. But she said she'd look in the mirror and she'd be like, oh, seriously? She'd pick herself apart. So she started getting up in the morning and high-fiving herself in the mirror every day. And honestly, she has all the science behind it that talks about how when you do that, it changes your brain and it changes the way you, you confront your day. And the point is that that's how we, as Christians, forgiven by God, can face our day. Did I sin yesterday? Absolutely. I guarantee it. I I sinned multiple times in multiple ways. I can even recount some of them. I know there were a whole lot of ways that I sinned that I didn't even think about. You know, I was impatient with people. I thought crummy things. I did things that I shouldn't have done. And, And sometimes I don't even recognize that I did. But that's not the point. I'm forgiven. I know at the end of the day when I pray as we do in my house every night at prayer and devotion time, God, forgive us for the sins that we, we've committed today. Those we know, those we don't remember, those we didn't even realize, forgive them all. And, you know, I have to go back to people. There are times that I go back to friends, coworkers, my family say, you know, that was, that was really a stinky thing for me to do. I'm sorry. I reacted that way. I shouldn't have responded. I'm sorry that it came out that way, that I didn't use a better choice of words. But then I apologize and it's done. And my identity is forgiven. So I want to break this down because I think that we can fall on a spectrum. And I'm just going to go with the two extremes because we can be anywhere in between these two extremes, but here's the two extremes that we sometimes land in. And I know people in my Christian circles who are one or the other. Okay. So first of all, forgiven does not mean, Hey, I'm good. I can do whatever I want because God's got it. Right? So I'm going to go to church on Sunday. If you see me throughout the week, My language is pretty rotten. I'm drinking more than I should, eating more than I should, doing things with people that I shouldn't be doing, telling those dirty jokes, doing whatever, because let's face it, I'm forgiven. Um, no. (laughs) Romans 6, 12 to 16 says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. 
for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Here's the deal. God is serious about sin. So serious, in fact, that Jesus died a gruesome death to pay for our sin. Back when I was in college, um, I was working with a professor on a pretty significant project. So it was pretty much a year-long internship that resulted in a big event. So I was sort of his right-hand intern type of thing. And one time, I was, I, I just want to point out, very naive at the time, had never been to a bar. But one time, we had been working on stuff, and he said, hey, do you want to go have a drink? Now, the honest thing to have said would have been, no, you know, probably not. I'd, I'd rather just keep working here at the college, whatever. But I was feeling, you know, self-conscious, and I was feeling like he was you know, a professor, and I didn't want to seem stupid and young and whatever. So I was like, sure, yes, absolutely. Now, mind you, I had never drank before. And so he said, okay, well, you know, why don't you meet me back here at such and such a time and we'll, we'll go get something to drink and what have you. So in the meantime, I had talked to a friend and I was like, oh my word, you know, so-and-so this professor asked me to go out for drinks tonight. And she was like, well, you're not, I mean, you're not going to go, are you? I'm like, I actually said, yes, I didn't know what else to say. And we had not even determined where we were going to go. But I went to school in a super small college town. So there were only few places that we could end up. So I did meet back at the college. And I got in the professor's vehicle. And he asked if I wanted to go to some hotel, which, you know, a lot of hotels have bars there. And I was like, um, probably not. Maybe we could go. And I mentioned this bar. And so we went and lo and behold, he brought me two drinks and I had never drank and I got very drunk. And thankfully this friend of mine who, um, I had told that I was going she showed up at the bar and she took me home and she stayed with me and whatever. So the first time is just pure naivety. I didn't know any better. But imagine if that professor asked me again and I went right back to the bar for more drinks and I lost all my credentials and credibility with that friend and chances are good that something far worse could have happened. It's sort of the same with grace. Jesus paying for our sins doesn't mean, hey, don't worry about your actions. Don't worry about what you do. It's all covered. It's a bill you don't have to pay. So, you know, live how you want to live. Don't worry. God will take care of it. That's not what God promises us. He never, ever says in his word that we won't have to suffer the consequences of our sin. So 
Christians can't overeat and stay the same weight, right? I mean, we can't just eat whatever we want, drink whatever we want, consume whatever we want, and things are okay. We experience the same consequences to sin as the rest of the world. So if we overeat, we're going to be carrying extra weight. And even 10 pounds slows you down, right? And you're prone to heart disease, stroke, shorter life, whatever. If you overspend, you're going to have to find a way to pay the bills. I mean, the bills do come due. If you, you know, buy and buy and buy, and every time you see something that your eyes want, you just buy it and you find reasons to justify it. There's a good chance that you're going to end up with so much stuff. You're going to have to deal with the clutter. You're going to have to sort. You're going to have to figure out what to do with this stuff. It's going to consume your time taking care of it. What have you. If you lie, if lies just naturally come out of you, you're going to get caught eventually. If you're, you know, a gossiper who talks behind people's back and, you know, when you're in front of this person, you say this, but then you turn around and you talk behind that person's back, you know, it's going to, it's going to be found out. People are going to figure out who you are. If you're lazy in prayer, you're not going to see the blessings and the miracles that you'd see. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you're lazy spiritually, you're not, not going to know God in relationship the way you could if you were reading your Bible, if you were studying, if you're neglecting your prayer life. God says in the book of James, hey, you, you don't have because you don't ask, right? Hosea put it this way, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh from flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, recently on one of my drives to work, I was listening to Chuck Swindoll, who has a radio program called Insight for Living. It's also a podcast. And he had a program called Riding Out the Storm. And he used this Bible passage and he showed me something that I probably had never thought about in this way before. So David lusted after Bathsheba, right? And so when he saw Bathsheba, he had to have her. He sent for her. He slept with her. He followed his flesh. And then to cover it up, he killed Uriah. Well, what do we see with his children? Amnon saw his half-sister Tamar, and he had to be with her. So he raped her. He saw her. He lusted after her. He raped her. Because of that, Absalom killed Amnon. Then Absalom went on to have sex with David's concubines. He saw them, and he had them. What did they see? They saw dad having sex with who he wanted. What did they do? They had sex with who they wanted. 
David reaped what he sowed. Now, David was told by the prophet Nathan, you are forgiven. But he was also told there would be consequences and pretty serious ones. And what I just talked about were the consequences of his actions. So we can't just go on sinning as if our sins don't matter. Because sins, all sins have consequences. And we can pray for the strength to do better. We know we're going to sin our whole life long. But instead of just going about our days numb to our sin, we can be on the lookout. And as our sin surfaces, which they will, whatever they are, we can be quick to be humble about it, to be repentant, sorrowful, and then forgiven. Go back, do what you got to do. If you have to repair a relationship, put the time into it, repair the relationship. Yep. I I did that and I shouldn't have, and that's on me and I'm sorry. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to do better and I'm going to try to repair the hurt that I've caused and then go on. Now there's another extreme and that other extreme is just swimming in shame. That's, that's not of God either. So what is shame? Shame is the feeling of humiliation caused by wrong or foolish, or dare I say, sinful behavior. So you know your sin, and you recognize your sin. So you wallow in the feeling of knowing that you're a sinner. Why is that a problem? Because that's not how God wants us to live. Hebrews 8.12 says that God's covenant or agreement is to forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more. And no more means no more. As in, you know, it's not like God's going to forget your sins after so many days. So after you say so many prayers, God will forgive your sins or After the third year, you'll be totally forgiven. No, God God said, I removed your sin as far as the East is from the West. I'm no gone. They're done. I'm remembering them no more. You know who wants you to remember your sin? Satan. Satan is super, super good at tempting us to sin. And when we fall into sin, he's right there to laugh at us and be like, you are so stupid. You are so stupid. You fell for that. And you know what? You don't deserve God. He's right. We don't deserve God. But that's not how grace works. We don't have to deserve God. God doesn't look for us to deserve him. We He knows that we don't deserve him. And he's covered it anyway. I want you to look at Judas and Peter. So both Judas and Peter sinned. At Jesus, when Jesus was arrested and taken and he died and was crucified for our sins. So Judas betrayed Jesus. He was bought by the leaders, the Jewish leaders at the time to point out Jesus and to deliver them into deliver Jesus into their hands. Right. He took 30 pieces of silver for that. Peter denied that he knew Jesus the night Jesus was taken into custody Jesus uh, was 
being on, he was on trial and Peter was able to get in near the whole where it was all taking place. And he, you know, when people were like, you were with him, Peter was like, I don't even know the guy. Like, I don't know who he is. This was his best friend, right? And yet Peter denied knowing him. So both of them sinned in similar ways, same time. Both showed remorse. Judas went and threw the 30 pieces of silver back on the on the floor. He was like, I don't want this. I, I betrayed innocent blood. Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was very ashamed of what he did. Now, from there, they had two very different responses. Because Judas killed himself. He didn't see a way for Jesus to forgive him. And Peter asked for repentance. Now, it took Peter a while. I'm not sure if he felt like his ministry was probably over. That's what I tend to think, just because the way that Peter responded and reacted. I tend to think that Peter thought, yeah, I'm forgiven, but you know, my days of ministry at one time, I thought, you know, I'd be a great leader in God's kingdom. But now I'm pretty much like, uh, God could never use me. But then Jesus reinstated him as in Peter, I have work for you to do. And then it was game on. As soon as that happened, Peter was back in action. It wasn't any more of this moping any more of this. You know, I, I doubt that God can use me. It was like, show me what to do and point me in the right direction. And from there on, his identity was forgiven. I don't know if the Luther movie is accurate or not accurate. I haven't done a ton of studying of Luther, Martin Luther, the reformer of his life. But I do know that, you know, he went from being a monk who was very grieved by his sins to realizing that salvation was by grace. And in the newer Luther movie, movie, you know, it showed Luther really struggling as a monk with his sin and realizing that he, he couldn't earn salvation. He, he just was too wicked of a person to ever appease a righteous God, which is true. It's totally true. But he didn't understand grace. And he didn't understand that Jesus had paid for it. So when he finally understood that, when he finally realized that it was, it was grace and it didn't have to be earned and that it was freely given, he was a changed person. And Martin Luther's quote, which I've repeated more often um, than I, no, I'm, I haven't repeated it more often than I should have because it's, it's made a huge impact on me. I do quote it often and I paraphrase it often because I too, for a long time, dwelt in shame. I would be doing things and I could remember sins that I had done. I could remember things that I had said to people. I remember stupid things that I, I did that I should have known better so many things came back to me and I would just say the same thing. I would, I'd be mentally saying, Amber, you're such a fool. That's what I would say in my head. I would remember my sin and I would say, Amber, you are such a fool. And then I came across this quote by Martin Luther, which said, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. 
I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who has suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. No more shame. Yep, you're right, Satan. You throw that in my face, I've done it. Absolutely, I admit it. I said that, I did that, I didn't do that, I should have done it. You got me, you saw it. So what? Jesus paid for that sin. I'm a believer. I know Jesus paid for that sin. It's gone. It no longer can be held over me. And in fact, I recently did an interview with Pastor Mike, um, a behind the scenes for his series, Give Me More. And I was asking him about his transparency because he's so good at talking about the stupid things that he said or did or the habits he had gotten into. And I, I asked him, I'm like, Mike, how can you be so transparent? He had mentioned um, a saying that he had said at his church, it was a really cold day. And there was a woman who was a greeter that day. And they had decided that greeters would, would be outside, you know, helping people park and pointing them to the right door. And it was a super cold day. And this older woman who was a greeter, she just mentioned to Pastor Mike, she's like, I, I don't, I really don't want to go outside. And his response was, suck it up for Jesus. And I'm like, how are you so open about saying these silly things that you shouldn't have said? And, and his response was, you know, it's really an act of kindness to just be upfront with people. First of all, it shows them that I'm a sinner and shows them I have made as many mistakes as they, you know, as they have. So we're all in the same boat. And secondly, it shows that you can get past that. Like, you don't have to stay where you are. And God has covered that. And so you can go on and you can learn from your mistakes and you can move on to a different part of your life where you're more compassionate, you're more kind, you're more serious about, you know, this lovely woman who was serving the Lord. And I have to, I have to be more like that because as much as I know that God has covered my sins, man, I hold those things pretty close to me. I am not super quick to admit the silly things that I've done or the things that have in the past been a huge source of shame for me. Um, so, you know, there's something in that too. But these days when I get out, I more or less feel like not that I high five myself in the mirror, you know, because I am what I am. I'm just a, a vessel and I, I can see all my um, flaws and weaknesses, just like Mel Robbins did. But I more or less see that I get up in the morning, I high five Jesus. I'm like, we are going at another day together. You've given me another chance. Like you are gracious and you are good and amazing. And you got me through yesterday. And here I am again. And I am on your team. And I am your ambassador. And I am right here ready to get busy. Romans 6 verses 3 to 4 says this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So I don't know how, I don't really totally understand it, 
Because to me, Jesus did all the work and the fact that he allows us to be credited with his suffering and death and his resurrection is something beyond, honestly, my understanding. I'm far too selfish, far too prideful of a person. I'd like to say that that would be me someday, but it honestly is more than I can comprehend that Jesus wants to share his glory with me and that he is willing to accept me who, you know, I am very prone to failure, very flawed. And that he says, you know, no, really like share in my kingdom work. I'm happy to have you on board. It's beyond my comprehension. But let me tell you what I do know. I do know that I identify as forgiven and that you should too. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. I just want to take a minute to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to pray for the important work we're doing or made a donation or took the time to encourage any one of us at Time of Grace. I want you to know we appreciate you and we're thrilled to partner with you to bring the hope of the gospel to the world. 